Merry Christmas. Hey, I want to welcome all of our campuses that are watching and participating with this service. Uh, it's going to be a good time because we're kicking off a series called Simple uh, Christmas. Uh, my name is Mark. I'm the Dalton campus pastor. And we're just going to today take a look at what Christmas uh, means to us. But before I get started, I want to let you know that I love Christmas. No, no, no let, me, let me explain this. I love Christmas. It can't get started too early for me. I wish it was all the time, all 12 months out of the year. There's white light people that string lights and Christmas decorations, and there, then there's colored light people that flash and decorate. I am a colored light person. I love Christmas because when you mention Christmas, when you're walking through a shopping area and you hear Christmas music, it just, it's, it's like a bomb. It's like shrapnel joy all over the place because people have to acknowledge Jesus. They have to acknowledge that there was a birth of a Savior. Even if you don't know Christ, if you're not following Christ, even if you're like a curmudgeon and the Grinch, you have to at least acknowledge that Christmas is about Jesus. And that's why I love, love, love Christmas so much. But in my life, I have all these dreams and desires for Christmas and what I want my life to be and what I want my family's life to be and what I want the world to become and become more Christ-like, accept the gift of salvation in, in Jesus. And I, I say, okay, now Christmas is a good time to do that. It's a good launching pad to see that happen. But my dreams and my desire at the end of Christmas, it seems like that it becomes a nightmare. It just sometimes doesn't happen. A lot of times doesn't happen because my drift in my life is to make things very, very complicated. And so if I don't keep Christmas simple, if I don't keep Jesus at the center of my Christmas in the center of my life, it becomes very, very, very complicated. And I think we'll do the same thing. Uh, we'll approach Christmas and we'll have these desires and these dreams and, and what Christmas is going to be for my family. And you start decorating and shopping and you cut, run into people and your family and you get anxiety about your family. And all of a sudden, these big dreams you have every fall, every you know, Thanksgiving, you go through you know, fall, heading into Christmas, you have what Christmas you want it to be. And you, it just gets complicated and confusing because we do not keep it simple. And our goal in this series is to keep it simple. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is something that is very simple. Uh, there's an engineering term that's called KISS. Keep it simple. Um, keep it simple. And then the next word is, now, you know, the next word's stupid because, you know, this is a church broadcast and we're, we're in church and we're gathered together. I'm going to say keep it simple, saints. And you're like, if you're here in your own church, you're like, you know, Kiss, I was at the 80s rock band. You know, you're, no, this is an engineering term, somebody engineering something, and they come up with how to do something. They get 70 steps, and they're like, no, nah, keep it simple, and they come get 70 steps down to seven. We need to do the same thing. And then keep it simple. Saints, I would love for you to keep Christmas simple and the gospel simple in my life, in your life. And as we go through this as a, con as a, as a gathering together, as a church, we need to keep Christmas simple 
simple, keep it simple saints, not the New Orleans saints, they're not keeping anything simple, they're losing all kinds of games, but keep it simple saints. So if you're a believer, if you follow Jesus, if you've asked Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, then you are a saint. And you're looking around going, I'm not a saint. Well, you got to believe what the Bible says about you. And when you've accepted Jesus and all of him is in you, and the way he sees you, when God looks at you, he sees you as clean. He sees you as a saint, as a saint. So let's understand that as we move through Christmas and we look at the Christmas story during this season, let's, let's just understand how simple it is and how we as a church and we as individuals we tend to complicate it, and complicate use, leads to confusion, and then we just go through another linear year just having Christmas, and it means nothing. There's no significance to it. And so understand, simple, it doesn't mean um, easy. That's not what simple means. Simple doesn't mean significant. So but if you keep something simple, doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Uh, Christmas and keeping it simple and the disciplines required, it'll take some effort from you, and it'll be hard. But I want to let you know that it can be the most significant thing in your life. When you can back up and you can see Christmas for what it is and the, the, the peace that God sent his son on a rescue mission to earth and we were separated from God because of what Adam and Eve did and he came to bridge the gap on the cross to join God's righteousness and holiness to our unrighteousness and our unholiness and bridge that gap together. And it all started with Christmas. It all started with Christmas. But we have to understand something. Satan complicates things and God simplifies things. So Satan is a deceiver. He's very, very crafty. He's very, very good at making things complicated. When I even mention the word Jesus, it'll resonate and resound in your mind, in your heart, in your soul, and it tends to bring about, you can mention, like I said, the New Orleans Saints, you can talk about 80s rock, and it doesn't complicate things. You can do that around the dinner table. You mention the word Jesus, and all of a sudden, things get complicated. Things get confusing. And Satan is very, very good at that. And understand he's the author of complication. He's the author of confusion. God, uh, God simplifies things. So God never intends to be a, very, a complicated God. God never intends to be a confusing God. So God sent his son on a rescue mission to earth to bring us back into reconciliation with him because of our sin and his holiness, and he can have nothing to do with sin. And so Jesus comes to build that bridge and bridge that gap between our sin and God's holiness. See how simple that is? See how simple the gospel is? That doesn't mean that's not hard. It doesn't mean it's not significant. So that's what God did. And so Paul, in the book of Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 um, he, he, he's talking to the Corinthian church. He's writing to the Corinthian church. And this is a church, if you want a manual about how not to do church, a manual of a church that complicated and, and confused people and with lots of various topics and various things, read the book of 1 Corinthians. And he says to them, but I fear, uh, lest somehow as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. So the serpent 
entered the garden where Adam and Eve in, the, in Eden were there. And God said, hey, you can eat of all this fruit, eat of every bit of it. But this one fruit, don't eat of it. See, our God's a yes God. I'm going to get that in just a second. He's not a no God. One fruit, one fruit. And so he comes in and deceives them by his craftiness. Now notice that word crafty. He's not creative. He's cunning and he's crafty. And in your marriage, uh, in your relationships, in your business dealings, I've been doing this for years, for 30 years now. And when you come talk to me and I sit across the table and have coffee with you and you say, man, I'm thinking about stepping out of my wife. Uh, I'm thinking about doing this in my business. I'm thinking about doing this in, in this relationship. I'm, I'm secretly doing this. You tell me what's going on and it's nothing new. And Satan does that. He's not creative, but he's very cunning and he's very crafty. We'll see what he did, how he deceived Adam and Eve in just a second. But he deceived Eve by his craftiness. And he says, Paul says to the church at Corinth, so your minds may not be corrupted. So your minds may be corrupted. So he, he starts with the mind. And when you start thinking about the gospel, you can overthink things. You can intellectually overthink the gospel. And he said, hey, in your minds, don't be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So he says, but I fear lest somehow the serpent deceives, deceived Eve by his craftiness so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So Christ is a simple God. And so how did Satan deceive Eve? How did it take place? Um, he, it, he deceived Eve. Um, in Genesis 3, 1, uh, he says, now the serpent was more crafty. So there again, that there's that word crafty, not creative, but crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any of the trees in the garden? So notice what happens here. Um, he, he, was, he was absolutely trying to get Eve to doubt God's word. So when God says something in his word, in this, in this Bible, you got it turned on or opened up. When you read it, it's God's voice that it's a miracle and God is saying something. When God says it, Satan will try to get to you and say, did he really say that? So he didn't say God didn't say it. Again, crafty, cunning. Did God really say that? When God says something, God says something. And we need to understand it's not up for debate. He's bossy. It's, that's what makes him God. He's, he's a God of love. And so Satan also complicated uh, God's love. So he complicates God's word, and he complicates God's love. And so we have to understand when he says, hey, you must not, that God is not um, a no God. God is a yes God. And so he said, you can eat of all this fruit. Just do not eat of this one fruit. Stay away from that. And we've got to understand that God's love is not complicated. God is a, a, a incomprehensible in his love, unconditional love for us. He is a yes God. And we have to understand the enemy will come in and say, nope, you need this other thing for you to be happy. God has already given you everything you need to be happy. So God has created nothing that will bring you more satisfaction than him. Period. He's created nothing. There's nothing else out there besides God that'll bring you more satisfaction to him. So God's a yes God. 
And we need to understand in Scripture, when God says no in Scripture, He is protecting you and He is providing for you. So when He says no about that relationship, when He says no about how you deal with the situation, God is trying to protect you and provide for you. So that one tree that they're not supposed to eat, eat, eat from, when they ate from it, down came protection and down came God's provision. And sin entered the world. And that's why we have the chaos and the catastrophes and everything that we have today. That's what brought separation between a holy God and sinful, sinful man. And we all are born and we come from the seed of Adam, every single one of us. And we're born with sin in our hearts. We do not sin and then sin gets in our hearts. We are born that way. We are absolutely born that way. And again, that's why I love Christmas so much is because it, he, it's, it's the plan. It's God's plan, the gospel plan of Jesus' birth. But let's look at how do we keep from being deceived. So very simply in the Christmas story, in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1, in Luke chapter 1, we see the story of, of uh, Mary. And in John chapter 1, uh, we see, um, Matthew chapter 1, we see the story of Joseph. And we're going to walk through that and see how, he, how they kept from being deceived. Now, you've got to understand something. We have heard it as believers. Now, maybe you're here for the first time. But we have heard it for, as believers all the Christmases of our life. We've got this thing down. But you've got to understand when we read the Scripture that that Mary and Joseph had no idea what was going to take place and what was going to happen. But I believe they had three foundations in their life that kept it simple, that helped them obey Jesus and not be deceived by a cunning serpent, by Satan, and kept it simple in their lives because they had three simple foundations that kept them from being deceived. So number one is belief. They simply believed. They simply believed. And I would encourage you during Christmas to, to reevaluate your belief. What do you believe? And simply believe those tenets. On our website, we have a statement of belief. And I want to encourage you to go read that and read those, those points and what we believe as a church. And again, it's not doesn't mean it's not significant. Doesn't mean it's not gonna be hard to believe those things. It may not be popular to believe those things, but simply believe. So we see in Matthew uh, 1:20. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. So again, we have Joseph that, that has been told about Mary being pregnant, and they're engaged together. And engagement in that time is different than this time. It lasted a year. They were uh, given to each other. Arranged marriages were very popular uh, during that time. They knew each other before that. From You can read Scripture and see that, how he treated Mary. And they were in love, but they had to be separate for a year. They could not have relations with each other. They had not had, not had sex with each other. Uh, so he, he, after he heard that, but she was pregnant. Whoa, you know, scandalous. And so after he considered these things, and he had every right to have her put to death, he had every right to separate from her, to start over, but after he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. God gave him a message, the word. You say, well, Mark, belief. I'm struggling with belief and believing in Christianity and the Bible and Jesus and all this stuff that comes down to following Christ. I struggle with that. If an angel appeared to me, I would believe. Listen, I, that's a very immature view. 
because you have more than an angel. You have Jesus that completed the story that was talked about by the prophets that lived, breathed, walked, taught, went to the cross, died, went to a grave, rose again, sits on the right-hand side of God, that sent the Holy Spirit that's inside of you when you believe the gospel that guides and corrects and tells you what to do and where to go. He has given us 66 books right here in this Bible that is his word, a messenger. You have more messages in a messenger than you could ever have with an angel coming to you. I want you to understand that. But Joseph had an angel come to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what, ha what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, from the Holy Spirit. So he had a crisis there and you'll have crisis of belief in your life. And you need to simply with a foundation of belief, I need to say, okay, God, this Christmas season, I'm going to keep it simple, saints. I'm going to kiss belief. I'm going to keep it simple, and I'm going to rededicate, realign my life with what your word says and what your message says and get involved with your gospel story and your message by simply believing. So we have Mary. This is going on at the same time. This is the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, gospel of Matthew. And so Luke records that the angel told her, another angel, do not be afraid, Mary. For if you have, found, you have found favor with God, now listen, here's the message. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. So there's a crisis of belief. And both Joseph, separate, separate from Mary, and Mary believe what God told them. They believed. And so you need to believe. In John 3.16, for God so loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So believes in him. This Christmas, what a time if you've never believed, if you've never went all in with the gospel story to believe in Jesus, to believe he is who he says he is. So Mary had this crisis of belief. Joseph had this crisis, crisis of belief. And we had this crisis of belief. But we need to believe in him. So that's the first simple foundation that we need to lay down and, and, and shore up in, in, in our lives is to believe, to believe. Say believe. Say it wherever you are. Believe. All right, thank you. Number two, uh, three simple foundations. Number one is believe. Number two is to simply trust. Simply trust. So we have a situation in Luke 1, 34, where Mary, going back to her story, asked the angel, that's a very good question, uh, you're, you're pregnant, you call his name Jesus, you're going to conceive, right now it's happening to you. She says, how can this be? Since I have not had sexual relations with a man. So she had to trust what she believed. What the messenger told her, she had to trust what she believed. Joseph, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. So in the Old Testament, looking forward to Jesus, the Messiah, the coming one, 
looking forward to the cross, the sacrifice that Jesus would do to take away the sins of the world. The prophets all throughout the Old Testament would prophesy about the coming one. And so the Lord had said through the prophets that this would happen. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. So it's a message of trust. It's a message of trust. So the outcome is God's responsibility. Trust is my responsibility. So when God says something, and I I, I lay a foundation of belief in my life, I've got to say, okay, God said it, and I've got to trust it. I've got to trust who God says he is, and he'll do what he said he was going to do, and the outcome is going to be for his glory and my good, and I've got to trust that. And both Mary and Joseph, early in the story, the Christmas story, had huge, huge trust. And we're going to look at that in this series. And it's amazing how much trust they had. But they trusted God and what God said to them, even when it seemed impossible. And I can't, I wish I could do a better job of describing their feelings and what they had to feel. It's like, okay, we've never been together, but she's pregnant. What happened there? What's going on there? How'd that take place? They trusted. And I want to encourage you this Christmas season to trust. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, a book of wisdom, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and everything you have. Trust in Him and do not rely on your own understanding. We do this. We do this. We rely on our under, oh, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. And sometimes a simple gospel, it's so simple, it, it, can't be, it can't be believed. It can't be trusted. You've got to understand it's not your understanding. You didn't do it. God did it. In all, in all your ways, know him, and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. So are you believing? Are you, have you laid this foundation of trust in your life. And the third foundation that was there in their life was a simple surrender, a simple surrender. And we see this surrender when Joseph woke up. He did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. I surrender, God, to your plan. I surrender, God, to your will. He didn't say to the angel, hey, tell me some more. Tell me what's going to happen. And a lot, a lot happened. And again, that's why I'm so excited about Christmas in this series. But he surrendered to it. Do you not think that Joseph had dreams? Do you not think that he had wants and wishes and expectations? But he laid those aside and he said, God, I surrender to your plan and what you want to do. What about Mary? I love this statement. I love Mary. She's incredible faith. She said, I am the Lord's servant. As soon as she heard it, she didn't jump up and say, oh, what about my wanting my wedding to be this? And, I, you know, my wedding dress, I can't fit into it because I'm, I'm pregnant. Oh, my gosh. So she said, Lord, I am your servant. She answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. So there's incredible surrender here in this foundation. That we, as we approach Christmas, God, I surrender to your plan. I surrender to your will. I I lay aside my wishes, my wants, my expectations, my dreams. And God, I surrender to your plan. I surrender your, your wishes. I surrender to your wants. And God, 
through this situation, as I'm laying this foundation, God, you blow my mind with what you're going to do. That's what happened at Christmas. That's what happened to both of them. So they laid a foundation in their life of belief, of trust, of surrender. As you walk into Christmas, please lay that foundation in your life. Lay it down. And I'm not going to believe, uh, you know, the disbelief and belief, and I'm just going to believe in the Christmas spirit. No, 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 no. Believe in the gospel and trust his story and surrender to a story and your part in that. And watch Christmas just become something that's incredible in your life. So, but I'm still kind of like Paul with the, the church at Corinth. I'm still a little concerned that we'll be deceived and we will try to complicate things and be confused. So I think our focus this Christmas will really, really help us in this. So let me give you four handlebars, four applications that'll help you navigate through this Christmas season. The first one in 1 Corinthians 3, 7, again, is Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. And this is just kind of the broad overview here. But I fear lest somehow, uh, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. So let's stay there. Let's don't let him deceive us in the simplicity that's in Christ. And let's just look at this. Satan complicate things. As we said, already said, God simplifies things. things. God simplifies things. So number one, Focus more on discipline than decorations. Focus more on discipline than decorations. So in John 10, 27, Jesus says, now you understand, Jesus didn't say a baby, right? Okay, everybody understands that. He grew, he taught, he was our example, he was our sacrifice, he was Jesus. He's, a, he's my friend, he's my father, I adore him. You as a Christ follower, if you're following him at all, you understand the same things. I believe in him, I trust him, I've surrendered to him. And he said in John 10, 20, 27, my sheep hear my voice. That's you, that's me. I know them and they will follow me. So what did Jesus do? What, what went on in his life? What were the disciplines that he practiced? Meditation, simplicity, giving, submission, service. You can see these disciplines and there's more. But Jesus disciplined himself. So you're not going to coast through Christmas. You're going to follow Christ by practicing these disciplines in your life. That's why we create a resource called Time with God. And you can text to that number and you can set it to where every morning or every evening you'll get a devotion based on the message truth from that weekend that you heard that you can go over, that you can talk to your friends, your family about. And so get in the habit of spending time with God this Christmas. Don't let decorations overshadow the discipline of spending time with God. And decorations, okay. Okay, let me, let me get that straight. I'm not against decorations, but I am against you focusing because of the enemy's craftiness telling you that decorations are more important than your disciplines during Christmas. So that's a handlebar to keep the craftiness of the enemy, of the snake, of, of Satan, of the devil, away from our lives this Christmas. The daily prayer. You can get a daily prayer. I have mine come at 11 o'clock. I, I set my time with God at 6 a.m. I try to read that every, uh, five out of seven days. I set a goal for my life. And the daily prayers, they're incredible. It'll help you align with Scripture and pray different prayers every single day. That's disciplines that you need to practice. And it's a focus that'll help you keep this Christmas simple and get through this Christmas absolutely on the other end, seeing the gospel different than when you started. Number two. Focus more on the giver than gifts. Focus more on the giver than gifts. 
Now, I can't imagine uh, my birthday. My birthday is January the 29th. At my birthday, um, everybody else getting gifts and me not getting a gift. I'll be like, what? What's going on? So Christmas is about Jesus. And you need to focus on him, the giver, more than the gifts. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It starts at Christmas. It starts with the birth of Jesus Christ. And so during this Christmas season, be in awe of Jesus. Be in wonder of him and who he is and his character and focus on him more than you focus on temporal gifts. So this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one and only true God and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. So our focus should be not on our Amazon wish list, but our focus should be on Jesus and the eternal Jesus that he is. And we need to get to know him better. And so let that be a discipline in your life. And then number three, focus on contributing more than consuming. Focus on contributing more than consuming. So Matthew 20, 28 says, Just as a son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for ransom for many. So Christmas is not about you. It's about Jesus. And it's about me contributing to the gospel and contributing in his story and being a servant in his story. I'm not going to go through Christmas with my palms up. I want to have my palms down. I want to bless other people. And that's the only way to live. That's the only way that we can make it through Christmas and on the other side look back and say that was the greatest Christmas that we ever experienced is if we give, if we serve. And so uh, I want you to look into volunteering, being a bridge builder. I want you to look into hope. Go to bethehope.cc and see what this Christmas season, how you can contribute and how you can give and not just be a consumer. Not just be someone that comes and sits and consumes and evaluates the service, but you're involved with it. You're involved with the gospel. You're involved with the church. You're part of that church. Contribute. Number four, focus more on Christ's likeness than Christmas lights. So if we're, all, we're, all we're doing is thinking, okay, what can I get? The gifts, the decorations, and the Christmas lights, we're going to miss out on something. And we're going to miss out on the glory of being the light of the world. And the Bible says, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather, rather puts it on a lampstand, and it gives light for all those who are in the house. And so in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your God and Father in heaven. So I want to encourage you to be Christ-like. Be Christ-like in your words, in your actions, in your attitudes, your ambitions, your affections. I mean, I, I, want, I want Jesus, Jesus, I want to be like you this Christmas season. And it's going to take, you can't do it. I'm just going to tell you right now. If you walk out here saying, hey, I'm inspired. You know, I got coached up. I'm going to be like Christ this Christmas. You cannot do it. And that's part of surrender. That's part of trust. That's part of belief. That's part of that foundation. God, I can't do it, but you can. And God, so I surrender. I lay it all down. And I ask you to empower me, come into me to be Christ-like. That sister-in-law that you're going to sit across the table from, you can't do it. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But Christ empowered in you, you can be Christ-like there. Some very simple applications. 
bake cookies for our fire department. Pray and tip. Pray for the server at your table and give them a tip. Give them a big tip. Give them a big tip. It's Christ-like. Return, return the shopping cart. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> when you go at Christmas time, it looks like, I mean, crash up derby's happening. Shopping carts everywhere. Take the shopping cart back to the front. Be, be, be Christ-like. Pay it forward at a drive through You know, pay for the person's meal behind you. Or better yet, give the girl that's serving you through the window a, a, the money. Give her a gift card. You know, single mom probably working two jobs. Be Christ-like to her. Um, yield to traffic and smile. So if you're in a traffic jam at a big box store, just do this and smile. Just peace out. You know, people get so aggravated and, and just ill at Christmas time when you ought to be more Christ-like than anybody else as a follower of Jesus and just shine the light of Jesus. Don't worry about your Christmas lights. Don't worry about them. Shine, your light, shine the light of Jesus through your own life by doing these things and other things. Uh, the gift of salvation, share with somebody your story and how they can accept Jesus. Invite them to come Christmas Eve at Rockbridge. We have multiple services Christmas Eve. They're going to clearly present the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. What a gift you can give to somebody. Be incredible. Uh, package delivery person. I've seen um, on, on social media where people have set up little stands at their apartment buildings and stuff where the, you know, they put drinks and snacks for package delivery people. That'd be awesome. Those people are underappreciated. You know, they were zooming everywhere. Let them out. Peace, you know, show Christ to them. Give them something to eat, a little snack or something. Be Christ-like. And you won't do it unless you're intentional by saying, God, I can't do this. You empower me. But God, help me every single day during this Christmas season to shine your light. Paul says again, I fear that Satan will distract you. Your minds will be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. And we've witnessed, we've heard, we've read about Mary and about Joseph and the birth of Jesus. And it started with a simple belief in what God's plan said and trust and surrender. And let's make sure that we're doing that this Christmas as we kick off the Christmas season at Rockbridge. Christmas at Rockbridge. Let's make sure that we're shining Jesus and that we're showing the world who Christ is, and not just the decorations and the lights and all this other stuff, but we are truly in line with the gospel of Jesus. His birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and his coming again. And we have the opportunity to, to, to right here in, the, in a great time that Jesus came to rescue us, to rescue us. And so let's put aside our wants and our desires and our expectations and let's follow him through this Christmas season in a very simple, simple way. We pray for you. Father, we love you. And God, as we are listening, I pray that the word would challenge us. And God, where we're not simply believing where we complicated or added something to the gospel. God, forgive us. God, I pray for belief. I pray for the unbeliever, that person that's never said yes to your salvation, that God, today, they would say, Jesus, I believe in you. I know who you say you are now. You're the Savior of the world that wants to take away my sin 
So, Lord, I repent of that sin. I'm sorry that I've ignored you. And I want to accept you as my Savior. God, I pray anywhere this word is resounded, that, God, the gospel will be clearly heard and that there will be people that will believe in you. And then, Lord, for, for those that lack trust and they've just written off a family relationship and they point to other people and say, yeah, you need to trust God in that. But, God, there's something they need to trust you in. And, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal to everyone listening an area where they could really tighten up the trust and they simply could trust you. And God, I pray that we'll hear many stories through this Christmas season of where I never thought in a million years, like Mary and Joseph, I never thought that, that, that I would be a part of the Christmas story. And so God, I pray they would trust and they would come back and say, hey, that relationship with my family members restored. And then God, we would surrender. And Lord, I pray that we would surrender you and your word, that God, we'd simply get back to the heart of Christmas, and that's Jesus. And God, that's what he wants us to do as our shepherd. God, that we surrender our wishes, our wants, our expectations, our lives to his plan. And Lord, we want to ask you right now to reveal to us people that we can invite, people that we can invest in, and love, and be kind to, and be Christ-like to, and invite to hear the Christmas message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if that means they come sit with us at a service, Lord, I pray that that would happen. But Lord, help us not to be ashamed to share how we love you and what you mean to us. God, make yourself known this Christmas in a simple way. Again, God, that doesn't mean you're not significant. You're the most significant thing in our life. And Lord, we love you and we praise you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.